Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Jim the Keys bartender trying to turn off the music here. How are you? Welcome to episode 666. Yeah, I've been waiting for it. And uh, you're going to have to wait a little longer so we can talk about it. But I wanted to talk about uh, managing your illness at work. And this bartender, servers, anybody who's working on the floor. First of all, if you're contagious, and who knows if you're contagious, but you know if you're contagious, if, you, if you're sneezing and coughing and things like that, that's a good sign that you could be spreading stuff, right? And it's really hard as working in the service industry not to work because, you know, in most instances when you are working in the industry, you don't get paid when you don't work. It's not a salary position. I always found it interesting with that COVID, you know, when COVID was running rampant around in the industry, that people wanted all the workers to get checked out and where it was actually detrimental since when it started to come into uh, common knowledge that you could have COVID and not display any symptoms. And who could afford in our industry to go a week or two without working? It's just the nature of the nature of the game we're in right now. You get the freedom to work at a lot of different places, but you don't have the security either. So a lot of times we have to manage our health care sensibly. Now I'm gonna give the one thing, if you are contagious, you should not be working. That being said, we're all grown-ups. I'm not going to say anything else about it. But if you are in pain and things like that, there's there's things that make it difficult to uh, do your job, especially in the very manually-centric jobs, serving and bartender, bartending. <clears throat> I worked with sprained ankles. Um bruised hands, cuts, and things like that. It's really difficult if you had your dominant hand and it's all bandaged up, so you might be out of luck there, unless you're super ambidextrous. But, you know, that I always have to protect my hands. I, that's what I think. But when it comes to, like, things, when you're managing a fever or a cold and you feel you have to work, what do you do? You get You can't go in too heavily medicated. I opt for many times, over-the-counter solutions. Antihistamines, non-drowsy formulas, and things like that to dry me out. If I have a head cold or things like that, something to drop down to fever, maybe a little aspirin, things like that. I know people say, well, if you're sick, you shouldn't be in, shouldn't go to work. Well, you know, a lot of people don't have the luxury of doing that sometimes. It's just the way the world is. I know it's cruel when people say you're going to be getting other people sick, but you got to you got to make a living too. And that's the way of the working person here in the United States. You know, if you don't if you don't have you know security or anything like that to do it, you just show up and do it. And sometimes you can't do it. You can't not go into work because. Depth of your team, meaning how many people that are there, isn't there. So if you don't show up, 
the place doesn't open up. Not so bad with a bartender. You can almost get anybody behind there to be a, a bartender. Not necessarily be a good bartender, but you can get someone to sling drinks. It's really no problem. There could be some quality issues, but other than that, on the floor, same thing there. You can just throw someone out on the floor. When you got a skilled position like a back of the house, that one, it gets, it gets crazy busy. Someone getting sick. And you have one main cook and you have a couple assistants. Well, you're going to have to work it out. You've got to give yourself a little more time to get set up. You've got to think about when you're needed more. You know, you make sure that you're there for the hours you're essentially needed and then work from there. You know, you don't want to have to miss too many days. And these are the decisions you have to be thinking of. What medication you have to take? What's going to slow me down? And what's going to make me able to do my job correctly? And then you have a service to yourself, meaning when you're done work, you got to come home and get some sleep, some rest, eat right. You shouldn't choose the opportunity when you're sick, obviously. That being said, you shouldn't wait to eat right or take care of yourself until you get sick. It's good to do it all the time. But I take extra special care. I make sure I'm staying away from the things that are the most problematic, like a lot of fried food, a lot of starches and stuff like that. Concentrating fruits and vegetables, juices, hydrating myself, especially when I have some kind of uh, cold. Now, when it comes to getting healed, the same thing goes for rest. Get, you know, Getting rested, not going out. And this is hard to hear, not going out for a late night drink. I used to drink all the time when I was on medication, when I had prescription medication. And they said, don't drink on this. Well, when I was drinking, I was drinking on it. I wasn't, it was one of the things I didn't do. Now that I don't, I can't, don't drink at all, the point is moot. So self-care, making sure you manage your whatever I hate to use the word because people don't like it, but whatever your disability is, if you can do your job, you do your job and you manage it. And you hope that the people around you understand that you're not at your best. Sometimes when you tough it out, people are laughing at you and they go like this, yeah, you're not sick, look at you here. Because they're reflecting on you because they said, if I was sick, I wouldn't go to work. I said, you got a job where you can, you can just not show up. There's a lot of jobs out there where you can just not show up. And yeah, it'll be a little tougher on everyone else, but you know, that I guess that you could say that about the service industry if you're like one of twenty doing the same job. But if you're one of one, it's a little different. So I'm gonna leave it there. I'm gonna move on to, you know what I should talk about? I should talk about our sponsor. I'd like to thank Key Largo Chocolates for being our show sponsor. They're located here in Key Largo, where I'm physically uh, situated, and also Almorada. It's run by the Peterson family, Rich and Brana. Chocolate, they're chocolatiers. They are. Just like Willy Wonka, almost. Except for, they're not quite as weird as that. They're very nice people, very friendly people. They're personal friends of mine, and I do appreciate what they do. They make a lot of handcrafted treats such as I, I spoke about before like chocolate caramels 
fudge, key lime fudge, chocolate covered potato chips, all different types of confections. And they also have 36 flavors of small batch ice cream and sorbets at both their locations in Key Largo and Isle Mirada. Now, if you're not down here visiting, which is if you're down here, this is a place to go after you have dinner or before you have dinner. Why not have, you know, ice cream? There's dairy in it, you know. That's part of a meal. But if you're not in the area, check them out on their website, www.keylargochocolates.com. And you can find all sorts of wares that they have uh, available and other services that they offer. They do catering also if you're down here. But uh, they can, I'm sure, you know, if you go on their website, you can order some of their chocolates here. And they are delicious. I try them firsthand. I love going into that place. And I don't know what the condition of my health would be if I lived right next door to it. Because I'd be in and out of there all day. So I try to try to manage that stuff. But if you're going to get something sweet, right, and people say eating too much of it is bad, you might as well get something that's really good and not eat junk. There's, you eat the really good confections. You know, make it worthwhile. Life is short. Let's get back to the show. So it's episode 666. 666. And for the last 11 shows, you saw me doing a hyphen, and I figured I just leave it. I just wanted to release the show, episode 666, closest to Halloween. And I also wanted to focus on impressions, and then later on, we're going to talk about, right before we wrap up, about anxiety. Now, the only reason. That 666 is seen as an evil number. It's a sign of the Antichrist, Satan. It's in the book of Revelations in the New Testament. And it's in the King James Version. So they just liked probably the feel of 666. I'm sure that's not a number, you know, Satan comes up. Or if there is a Satan or an Antichrist, they say, that's my number, 666. I told you before, my favorite number whenever I was playing it in a position on a, on a team sport, if I got to play, I mean, if I got to use a number, I like 13. People say 13 is unlucky. Well, no, it isn't. I have to say, certainly, just like when someone wins and loses, numbers are neither lucky or unlucky. It's how you apply those numbers. And 666 is just one of those numbers. You know, if I'm sure if you ended up having a baby and then for some reason you um, look on their scalp and there's the number 666, you maybe want to consult some Vatican authorities about whether you just gave birth to Satan or the Antichrist. Or it could just be an anomaly. But I think numbers are just numbers. Matter of fact, in the Chinese gaming world, when you say 666 to someone, you're complimenting them on their skill. Yeah. Just like that thing with black cats walking on the ladders. You know, a black cat is not inherently 
evil. I think it just became one of those things that years ago in the lore that, you know, plague was breaking out. And they said, well, there was one black cat around. Probably brought the plague. Almost anything of black birds on your telephone wire in front of your house. Where there's always birds in front of your house. And sometimes there's a couple black birds. And that doesn't mean someone's dying. And when you're looking for signs and stuff like that, when something happens significantly and you look around and you take note of something, and if you take note of it several times, you might say, hey, this, this was either a coincidence or it's some manifestation in the physical world of something evil. I tend to think it's just like with numbers and all the things just happened. People... Uh, my wife always mentions that when people die, they die in threes. Now, in the past year, millions and millions and millions and millions of people have died. I mean, I'm talking about around the world. Just natural causes. Now, if you wanted to group them in ones, twos, threes, fours, fives, six, the more people you know, the more it's easier to say, Oh, yeah, people die in threes. I most assuredly, unless it's one catastrophic event, there's almost any subset of numbers you can go. People die in twelves, right? Let's say there's a plane crash. What if it's a plane crash? How does it three? Does it have to be divisible for three? My, I'm a, I'm a horrible uh, person if you are listening to this podcast on a on a flight. I apologize for using that one. Or let's say a low, if you're on a train. But I imagine if you're on a train, you might not be listening to a podcast for if you're going on a long journey. Or on a cruise ship. But you can see that anything happens. You could pretty much put it in any number that's less than Let's say a million. Let's say in the, well, there's 8 billion people and that's 8,000 million. There's, so that's, let's say 200,000 people a day die. I don't know if that's correct. 200,000 might be a little high. Yeah, it is. Oh, no. No, let me see. Maybe 100,000. Let's say 100,000. <clears> And so, uh, 10 times 100,000 is a million. Ah, no, probably like 100, you know, 200,000 every day around the world. So any number of that, you say 200,000 people die, people die in groups of 200,000 people. You could say that in space of 24 hours, Right? <clears throat> It's just a fact. So I'm doing a show 666 to demonstrate. First of all, it is Halloween. And it's coming up on Monday. But because it's a weekend, adults celebrate it on Friday and Saturday night. And Sunday for the people that have more flexible work schedules on Monday. I'm happy to be off on Monday. But I don't plan to be doing a night late night party on a Halloween Sunday. And uh, 
But there is something about just putting on costumes and being someone different. You're used to every day playing the same roles and the people have the same expectation of you when they see you. If you're a funny person, you're going to come up and you're going to say something funny. If you're, you're a depressing person, you're going to say something depressing. Right? But once Halloween rolls around, you can be almost anybody you want. You know, today I want to be a cowboy. I want to be, I want to be Maverick from Top Gun. Or almost anybody. I want to be Julia Childs. I don't know where I came up with Julia Childs. Or a witch. Or a fireman. Or whatever they want to be. It's just an easy... You can do that every day if you want. You don't have to wait till Halloween. You can say, hey, you know what? My friends say I'm kind of depressing. I'm going to pretend to be a happy person today. Think about that. I'm always kind of goofy, so if I do something goofy, no one's going to really be surprised. But whenever I'm serious, which is a lot of times, it's not intentional. Like this past week, while I'm dealing with whatever I'm dealing with right now, I was playing that serious person. And it was a sad thing for me to... uh, for the witches ride because I love the witches ride I love all the women dressed up like witches and stuff like that and I was feeling like crap so I was playing a different role I get to play a different role tonight which today Friday and tomorrow Saturday and I got to come up with a costume for my place of work because they're doing it they never do any uh, they did do one zombie we did a zombie theme at the bar one year but then another year we did Grease and I forgot what we did last year. And this year it's going to be aquarium. But for some reason, the girls are all dressing up. The girls, I'm the only guy really, except for the guys in the kitchen. And they're not going to wear shit because it's too hot. Um, they, they're going to be mermaids. Which haunted aquarium they want to call it. I would call it the haunted ocean, wouldn't you? Because I don't think there's mermaids living in aquariums. I mean, I guess there are people dressed like mermaids working in aquariums, right? So I was thinking, if it's going to be, what is it, an aquarium or is it the ocean? And I was thinking, well, why don't I just be one of those guys if mermaids are kind of like sirens, Right? You ever in the ancient Greek mythology, Odysseus, the sirens, the song of the sirens that would lure seamen to their death? Um, in the story of, in the Odyssey, Odysseus um, goes by the island of the sirens and he wants to listen to their song, but he gets his crewmen to tie him up to the post, the mast of his ship. And uh, he makes his crewmen put wax in their ears. And Odysseus uh, tells him, he says, no matter what I say, no matter how you plead, until we're out of this area, I don't want you to, I don't want you to stop. And I guess the story's really long. I, what I most know about Odysseus is from those Italian Hercules kind of movies and stuff like that. So I think either in the movie or in real life he might convince the guys to pull over and he ended up turning some of the men to swine and uh, you know maybe killing the rest of the crew 
I don't know what it is. But I was thinking about, so what I was thinking, I'm doing like a guy that's stranded on an island, like a uh, Robinson Crusoe type person. Or if it's an aquarium, I'll be a pirate. And people say, what does a pirate have to do with an aquarium? I said, well, a pirate in an aquarium, you ever see those little pirate things that have or next to a gold chest, the chest of treasure, and that's how they put the oxygen. They just have, you know, they oxygenate the water by running the oxygen through the, the treasure chest that keeps on coming up when it builds enough air in it, and the pirate's right next to it. There's also a scuba diver one, but I don't want to walk around with scuba gear, stuff like that. I'll just probably put like a, a handkerchief on my head and an earring on my ear, and I, I'll be a pirate. And they say, I'm a pirate in an aquarium. Okay? Or I can be a zombie pirate. There we go. Because of the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean thing. It's all different things. I have spin class this Monday. And I was thinking about, I have two classes. I have one at 9 in the morning and 6.15 at night. I don't think anybody's coming at 6.15 at night. But I'm going to be there. And I'm going to try to get a get-up like Richard Simmons. I mean, that could be scary in itself with those super short shorts. That might be interesting. I don't know. I'll see how it plays out. Okay, I'm going to finish up talking about anxiety. And fear. Both anxiety and fear, as I mentioned in previous, and this is from my personal experiences. Remember, if you're having severe problems with these, seek professional help. Please do. Don't don't white knuckle it at home. But the way I cope with it right now, and this is the way I see, um, when I see fear, that's healthy. If you're fearful of something, that's your... Your, uh, one of the books that Dharma wrote, the third, the third um, edition of his, he did uh, Origins of the Species, and he said emotions are part of evolutionary, or evolutionary developments. So fear plays a role in our makeup, meaning it teaches us a healthy understanding of what things that could cause us harm. So if you hear a roar outside a cave, when you're in the cave, you can think, well, that could be a mountain lion or a bear. So I better be on alert. And, you know, kids, you're adrenaline running and stuff like that, and you're, you're, you're about to show up when you need to show up. You have to fight off a mountain lion or a bear. Now, anxiety is different. Anxiety is more with little... There are triggers to anxiety. And because are you thinking human beings with memories, a lot of times triggers can be like a series of events that would cause you to relive something in the past or forecast it in the future. And the way I view anxiety right now, anxiety versus fear. Fear... I think you should handle it, see if it's real. You know, if it's a hurricane coming, <clears throat> don't freak out. Put your, uh, put your shutters up. Evacuate if you must. Go to someplace safe. 
protect your, you know, protect your family. You know, a lot of times we can alleviate fear by using precaution, proper precaution. Now, with anxiety, it almost comes out of nowhere. Anxiety can just seep in there. I know when certain groups of people come in to the restaurant, I get anxious. It, I don't know exactly what it is. It could be their, their behavior is something that makes me think of something in myself or some unpleasant experience I had in the past. But a lot of times I, I now consider anxiety. I said there's some change going on. There's, there's something, uh, a possibility of gain and loss. And I think of it as a possibility, more of a possibility of gain if I operate or interact with the anxiety correctly. I think about what's causing me that. You know, I have bills piling up, getting a little anxious. Pay your bills, pay your bills, pay your bills. Do what you can. Uh, I, I did that. I get anxious when I talk to potential sponsors about changes to the show. About thinking, I get anxious when I think about not doing. How easy would it be for me not to do the show? And what would I do with myself if I did it? And that causes anxiety in me because I'm thinking about you know who. For me, it'd be like, oh my God, I'm considering quitting, which I'm not. But I view it as an opportunity to say, you know, just get acquainted with what's called, you know, acknowledging it. Acknowledging that there's some anxiety. Realizing that it's not always a bad thing. Anxiety. It's my body telling me that, you know, get ready. You're going to, you have a possibility of some gains and loss. There's, you know, you're ready to perform. You to think. It gives you a time to, anxiety uh, focuses your intent on what you need to do when I came home today you could get little anxieties I have this thing about letting small chores pile up and not taking care of them and doing half-assed work for it I had this little latch on my screen door and I had to put uh, just a couple screws in but for some reason I may have made the holes that I was screwing into a little too big. And I was thinking, I was thinking, and then I came upon a solution that involved uh, molly bolts and things like that to, to anchor those screws in there and have it more secure, which is a relatively easy solution. I wasn't thinking straight, but that anxiety helped me think straight. I'm thinking, what do I need to do? I didn't think about anything. I didn't think about doing a show. I didn't think about what I had to do for work tonight. I thought about doing the door. So when I get anxiety, it focus gives me laser focus. What am I anxious about? And what choices do I have? And some of the greatest achievements I've done personally, things that there's not a lot of accolades. I don't get accolades for these and I don't want accolades. I want accomplishment. I want to feel accomplished when I'm doing these things. I want to feel accomplishment. I want to feel that I'm being productive. And sometimes when I view that anxiety, I say, oh, this is really bothering me. I'm not going to really enjoy doing other things because I'm a procrastinator. 
And I know if I procrastinate, that anxiety will increase. So, lo and behold, all I have to do is work on the thing that's causing me anxiety. Apply a little elbow grease. And I feel better than I did prior to the onset of anxiety. I feel accomplishment. So there is a gain. There's a gain there. And sometimes there's very productive things and tangible results that come back to income, uh, higher listenership, and things like that, that tangible things that do happen. But what there isn't going to happen when I work on that, there's not going to be a lingering anxiety that just goes on and on. Uh, for years when I was single, I was drinking heavily. I would use the drinking to keep me from doing things. And then I would still be thinking about the things I wasn't doing. Right? Under the cloud of intoxication. So I really never got relief from it. The only time I ever got relief from it was when I stopped doing the thing that was stopping me from completing the task that were causing anxiety. If I wasn't physically able, especially when I'm, uh, one thing, when I was in the hospital, when I, we got operated on, I did not get anxious because all I knew I had to do was get healthy. I needed had to sit down, take the operation, wake up, heal. And I didn't think about not healing this, that. I wasn't thinking about the things I wasn't doing. And no, after post-healing, after my operation, I was, uh, I needed to do things anyway. I said, I'm healing up pretty good. I better start taking care of the task at hand. I was looking for a new car. I wanted to pick uh, the most value-based decision I could make. And I did. I did that. It wasn't half-assed. And I, I did it. Uh, I was detail-oriented. I was uh, thorough, which is a rarity. A rarity for me. Well, there we go. I'm going to... No, okay, I was going to pause that for a second. There they come pausing again. Now, phone calls would cause me anxiety. I see a number, and I don't see um, identification on that. I'm thinking, I'm not going to answer that. I'm doing my podcast right now, and I do apologize. That's ringing. I could just turn it off right now. But, yes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick it up, take a look, give them a call back. And see what that is. When you're getting a lot of bad news, that can, you know, the phone ringing could be the worst kind of anxiety. You don't want to talk to anybody because you haven't completed anything good today. That's what you're thinking. That's what you're telling yourself. But all you have to do is that one thing. That one thing. You know, whether it's bill collectors, this and that, address the bill collectors, I'm sorry, I'm not going to pay you right there. I said, either I'm not going to pay it, or I'll work with you on a payment, or this. That's the only other decisions you have. You don't have to sit and be afraid of a call from, I mean, I understand, yes, there are, there are extreme situations where you have stalkers and stuff like that, and you have bad phone calls and people harassing you and stuff like that. But all in all, most of the calls you will get aren't anxiety-laden or creating or answering the doorbell or walking outside or running into someone. So, 
today, with this being episode 666, this is my lucky number. Oh, and my father called me today. I'm going to say to my father called me and said, make sure you buy, um, you can buy tickets in in Florida for the big lottery. There's an $800 million. I don't understand how people are getting so excited about $800 million when there's always a lottery around for at least 14 or $8 million. Now, people that paid a lot play the lottery, right? And that's for everyone that doesn't have 8 or $14 million. 8 and four, or $14 million, I'm just picking those two numbers, are fine. People write, dig automatically, it's $800 million, I'm going to go and play the lottery. Oh, well, $800 million, that'll be enough for, you know, polishing a fingernail on your chest, you know, clearing them off. That'll be enough for me to live in the lifestyle that I want. What are you going to do? You could be wiping your ass with $100 bills, you still won't go through it. But I did. I went and bought the tickets and I bought them all together and it's funny because the tickets are on, the numbers are on the same. So I got to stipulate what numbers are his and which are mine. And if he wins, it's his money. And I got to go and figure it, turn it out and say it's his, it's my father's money, but I'm turning the thing. But that would be screwy. If that, that's screwy. I know winning would be screwy. Yes. But then say, yeah, I had the ticket. I bought the ticket. My dad told me to buy the ticket. But these are his numbers at one, not my numbers, because I arbitrarily picked the two bottom numbers being his. And you got to do that before the selection, just in case it happens. So he can decide what to do with it. That'd be funny. You're going to do it in some. No, my dad would probably be very equitable with that that stuff. And I, you have to be in order for me to be right with the universe. I have to do that number thing. I have to pick that number thing myself. I got to arbitrarily pick it and say this year. Because I'd still, you know, my dad would still win if I won. But I don't normally play those lotteries. I don't. Not, I don't have a fear of winning, even though that would be a pain in the ass. Be a royal pain in the ass. I probably set a trust up. A trust Take half of it. If it's a huge thing, take more than half and throw it in a trust. And having me to be the primary manager, but then have like three other managers who weren't in, invested in it. And I would just say, listen, there was you. You have once a month these people come together and you know apply for thing. And if you're in a family, you can apply for income from the trust. Here you go. Problem solved. And if you try to borrow against, this is one stipulation I say, if, I, if you try to borrow from the trust, you lose any access to the trust. Always thinking ahead. You don't want, it, you don't want your people to squander their inheritance. My inheritance is this brain inside this body uh, that forever, whatever good or ill it's doing right now is, is what I have to give. But... Uh, right now, I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Key Largo Chocolates. And I want to say, if you do listen to this episode 666, don't worry about the numbers. Go out, be safe. Uh, be careful on eating too much candy. 
Don't worry about any needles in your apples. Very unlikely that there's any needles or razors in your apples. That's someone, I, most of those people that do it are people that do it to themselves. Just to say, hey, look what I got. You know, what was in that popcorn ball? In the popcorn ball was, what, what, what could it be? A World War II hand grenade. They hid it in there. No. Very unlikely you're going to get poisoned by your candy. Unless you're making poison apples. Like the evil queen in, was it, Snow White. So, thank you very much and have a great day. Bye. Now for some music.